filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. DC United fans on Twitter know the DCU hashtag. It's been a DC United hashtag since as long as there's been a DC United Twitter. Um, it's it's what we've always used. And the team has tried to make other things happen, especially with MLS hash flags, where they they have Unite the District. They they have Bamos United this year for their, their Spanish language uh, tweets. Uh, but they made it official and Hashtag DCU has a little DC United logo hash flag, which is probably confusing many, many Japanese people who write about Japanese television right now because there's a new crime drama, I think scuba crime drama, from what I can tell, um, called DCU, which apparently stands for Deep Crime Unit, which is uh, you, a you nonsensical phrase. I, yeah, I, I like well, to look stuff up about this and like translated is, tweets. To figure okay. out why there were so many Japanese language tweets on the DCU hashtag, there are more. Are the D- DCUs are the yes. There's Dublin City University. There's Dublin um, City University. There's the comic book DC Universe yes. people. There, there's uh, there's uh, Decrib University, which is a real thing that used that hashtag. Right, but I think both Dublin City University and Decrib University have have stopped mostly using it a bunch of comic books people will still put like mostly fan art on the DCU thing, which is better than arguments about well, Zack Snyder, which I don't well, want to read. We need to, what we need to find out here now is like, but there could be deep crimes. Like are, are these crimes happening inside a mine um, or perhaps a valley? It, it, they appear to be underwater crimes. Okay. What we're, this okay. show seems Those to be deep. about. Yeah, uh, is it Mary- I don't is know it how Mariana many storylines you're going to have at that point. Like, how how many know. people are going underwater to commit crimes? My uh, assumption going forward is that this, this is, is a miniseries, a drama that is very loosely based on the Octonauts. Okay, no. which of course no. is a children's program wherein anthropomorphic animals explore the ocean. It's not but great. They're turning I'm not a big the Octonauts into a crime drama. That is that is my assumption about this show. Do do, what, do any of the crimes start deep and then uh, come up to the surface? Uh, or Apparently, uh, I mean, based on the production shots that I've seen on the hashtag, um, the at least the main character, a very handsome Japanese man, comes to the surface and takes off the scuba gear from time to time. He doesn't live under the water, which makes it you know less compelling than the octonauts but uh because <laughs> they're always underwater sometimes i guess sometimes they go on vacation to like antarctica or something but, i'm looking at i'm looking at a shot that's i guess from a review of the show or something like the that. the show doesn't even premiere until january from what i understand january so, that's okay they're they're it, getting way ahead it's of themselves. just like been announced in like a media blitz and they chose a hashtag 
that's already well taken <laughs> uh, to the point that I actually saw a tweet like it was in Japanese and then had a big DC United logo. So I'm like, I, I have to see what they're saying. They, they're like, for everyone curious what this hash flag is, it's an American soccer team who is called DC United and tweets and its fans tweet on this. So that's why you're seeing American soccer tweets on this. Um, maybe we should use DCU Japan as our hashtag. And then I started seeing no. DCU Japan and DCU on both on it. It's like, okay. that's not how this works. <laughs> Stop doing that. Right. You don't have to use I, both. I, I've, I've found a tweet in which the, the it's, it's about the, I guess it's a review of the show. Um, I'm not, the, the translation that Twitter provides does not provide a lot of clarification as to what the article is about. Um, but yeah, the man is wearing uh, some scuba gear, but like it's sleeveless scuba gear. So it's designed to make sure people can see that you're jacked. It, it's sexy scuba gear. Yeah, well, yeah, because you don't want to hide your your handsome uh, lead actor uh, under all the scuba gear that, in general, like a real-life uh, deep crime investigator, as we all know from our knowledge of deep crimes, uh, you would you want to cover I mean, we are everything. experts on deep crime. Right, like, if, if, you're, if you're going to the depths of the ocean, uh, covering your skin up is actually really important to stay warm and stave off hypothermia. I, I don't know if this is going to be, like a CSI situation in which they've taken an established field and smashed it all down into like three characters. Um, I, oh, I yeah. really hope that every episode starts with him, you know, making some kind of pun and then putting on the scuba gear and falling back as the who starts playing over at top. I think the the people of this show should write in an idea that this guy has decided to start following DC United. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. That's gotta be his like, his like second favorite soccer team. His first favorite soccer team is uh, whoever King Kazu is playing for uh, at the time. But then his second favorite soccer team just uh, inexplicably is DC United. Lots of random soccer cameos, including from Bill Hamid and Paul Ariola happening in Japan in the near future. I mean, I mean, if this guy is a fan of Yokohama FC and DC United, there's a non-zero chance that I get written into the show like via like articles or something. <laughs> Um, at this point, is what we're actually trying to manifest here. Jason, what we're saying is next offseason, we're going to have this guy on the podcast. Perfect. Well, no, I mean, and like, Jason, if you're written into the show, you're the murder victim in an episode. Oh, oh well. It's been a good run. (laughs) I shouldn't have been down that deep anyway. If Jason Davis and Jared Dubois can be featured on Matador, why can't we be featured on DCU? That's all I'm asking. Exactly. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and Japanese crime drama podcast. I am Adam Taylor, joined as always by Jason Anderson and Benjamin Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, among other things in the soccerverse. Uh, tonight we're talking the about... the deep crime unit. And the deep crime-averse. Uh, tonight we're talking about a big win, DC United 3, Philadelphia Union 1, uh, and we don't have a game to preview because DC United actually gets a week off. They have two bye weeks left in this season, and one of them is happening right now. Uh, Hernan Losada celebrated by jetting off to New York, as he told us on this podcast he would. Um, and we are celebrating by not killing ourselves for a second segment this week. Um, before we talk about the win over Philadelphia, Ben, what are you drinking? I am drinking... Uh, bourbon and Coke. 
It's been, we don't have much, like we're in the middle of our kitchen renovation. And so our uh, refrigerator has been wheeled through multiple spots in our uh, house and we don't have uh, uh, cooking implements really. Uh, And so everything is smashed into our uh, dining room, which means there's not a lot of space for uh, uh new beers or mixers or anything like that. We just got to go straight back to basics. And so uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going with that. I mean, uh, like for dinner tonight, I air fried salmon and that was, that was our dinner tonight. It it was good. I'm not going to lie. It was good. Uh, But yeah, that's the kind of space that we're working with right now. How about you, Jason? What are you drinking? Uh, For completely different reasons. I also am drinking a bourbon and Coke. Um, uh, I, I just, I ran out of beer over the weekend. I drank all my beers. So, uh, this was the, this was what I, I was like, well, it's, it's time to make a drink for the show. And now I have a, it's, it's Evan Williams and Coca-Cola and that's it. Yep. I am not drinking bourbon uh, or Coke. You ruined it. I did. I am drinking American whiskey though. I've got a Sazerac going, okay. um, got some district made rye, some cognac, Lemon peel, some ice, some absinthe swirled around, Peychaud's, Angostura bitters. Good little drink. Yeah. Invented in New Orleans. I like Look it a at lot. you, Mr. Fancy Pants. Yep, that's me with a working kitchen and crappy air conditioning. So I'm drinking a New Orleans cocktail. Um, let's get to the soccer. Uh, DC United got a statement win against a playoff contender Saturday, dominating the supporter shield holding Philadelphia union to the tune of three to one uh, down on buzzard point. Uh, United had to come from behind despite an almost transcendent opening 20 minutes. Um, they, they did. So they did manage to come from behind. They got a first half penalty kick goal from Ola Kamara, second half strikes from Jordi Reyna and Ramon Abila. Uh, I want to start off with this opening 20 minutes, though. Uh, this period that, that Hernan Losada in the postgame called beautiful and said that he doesn't think there's another team in MLS that can reach that level that United hit in the opening 20 minutes. Yeah, um, he, he was uh, right up front with that one. Um, I think, uh, you know, we're used to we're used to the first five minutes of most DC games going like this. Um, I have found myself while writing uh, the recap, uh, noticing how often I'm trying to say that United got off to a fast start. It seems like it's every single game, and I kind of laugh about it and, and find myself like, I have to find a different way to put this, um, this to express this thought, uh, because it keeps happening. But normally it's just those first five or so minutes, um, and normally, you know, DC has a few times scored in that period of time, but usually the other teams sort of gets through it enough they stabilize a little bit dc slows down a little bit um and it's not quite the barrage that we get and this is we had that first three four minutes dc almost i think it was 18 seconds in that they had their first shot um Mm. so you know it got to be about the fifth minute it's like okay this is playing out like a lot of games except dc hasn't turned it into a goal so uh, i do have my concerns and then it just kept carrying on like that it didn't slow down at all um the union we're trying a, a formation that really wasn't that far from their norm. Um, and it theoretically should have given them an extra man in the midfield to slow this thing down. 
but right between, they ran out of christmas tree instead of a diamond to start right yeah and, and instead of really having a good handle on um how to play that and and also the fact that they were doing something that united hadn't seen them do um so they even had the surprise element and dc just sort of like pushed them aside it was just like they, we're not concerned with what you're 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 what you're attempting to do is not going to work. We're, we're all over you. Um, and in fact, it took the, there was a moment that I think I managed to tweet out in the, around the 17th minute that um, there was a brief stoppage in play and Curtin was out to the edge of his area, calling over his attackers and trying to say like, we, we're dropping the other thing. We're going back to the diamond. This something has to stop because we're, we're in deep trouble right now. Um, and it's not the first time that that's happened, but it's, I think it's the first time that it's happened to this degree against a good team, which uh, is a lot of fun. I, I It would have been nice to take the lead during that spell again, but in the end, still, uh, oddly enough, almost the exact result the result that the expected goals would, uh, would put forward. Uh, it was 2.9 to 0.7. Yeah. yeah, DC United obviously deserved winners in this one. Yeah, uh, my only quibble with the first 20 minutes, which was great, was just that having been a DC United fan for the past 10 plus years, just like the fact that they weren't able to convert a goal in that first 20 minutes just filled me with anxiety because I'm used to DC United teams playing well and then uh, not scoring and then everything goes off the rails after that. And luckily this team has and continues to prove me wrong, which is great. I like being proved wrong when I'm pessimistic. That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> but with that being their best stretch of the game, I was like, hopefully, and this might be like level two of the uh, Ernan Losada era uh, or level three, like once he actually has time to uh, start picking his own players for this team and not just inheriting players, but I want to see that level up as, as well. And it just, just gave me a little anxiety, but once they started scoring the goals, obviously all my anxiety was uh, wiped away. Yeah. The watching the first 20 minutes from the stands was really fun. Cause it was just, and luckily we were at that end of the stadium too. And just got to watch one-way traffic for that period. And every time the ball popped out, you'd see Russell Knauss or Junior Moreno pick it up, recycle it, or a lot of times it wouldn't even get that far. It would be uh, Edison Flores grabbing it um, when it would pop out or or Kevin Paredes would would get it. And they would just recycle it and put it back in and DC United would get another chance. They they, they could have been 3-0 up inside of 15 minutes. Um, (laughs) And and those weren't all great chances, but they had beaten – both uh, Reyna and Flores had Andre Blake completely beaten on, on shots and just missed, you know, went on the wrong side of the post or the crossbar. Um, but it had those been on target, they would have been goals because he was completely fooled. It was fun to watch. And then the team also had the mental strength to overcome the deficit. They, we didn't like, Ben's fears weren't realized. They played really well. They gave up a, an own goal that was a little bit fluky. I saw some people coming for John Kempen on that one. I think that's a little mistaken. Um, he saw the ball not go to the near post attacker. It went behind him. And so he was repositioning himself for the, the shot that would have come, but then it hit his defender and bounced flukily right to where he would have been had he been staying on the near post for that runner. I don't think he made the wrong decision. It was a fluky bounce. It hurts, 
it happens. I, I think there's a certain thing happen that's happened in the fan base where for some folks, there is not going to be a discussion about Kemp, and it's that if any goal goes in at all, they are going to be mad at him. Uh, and and they're starting from the conclusion of he did a bad job, and then uh, we'll try and put together a case from there rather than saying, like, did he do a bad job? Instead, it's already the conclusion set right. for some people, um, which I would well, I would urge you not to do that. Um, and, but, well, yeah. And especially, like, I know no nobody wants to hear this, but like someday Bill Hamid will not be the goalkeeper of DC United. And we can't keep having uh, unrealistic expectations of every DC United goalkeeper that isn't Bill Hamid. So no, I don't, ex- I, I don't like, accept that Bill Hamid will forever be the goalkeeper of DC United. He will have bionic arms and legs and possibly, you know, just be a robot with Bill Hamid's head in a jar in the year 2300, but he will still be Bill Hamid goalkeeper for DC United. Okay. <laughs> I refuse to accept anyone's mortality <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, I, Kempin's obviously a step I'm not talking about him Bill. dying. I'm talking about him no longer being the goalkeeper. It still counts. Uh, <laughs> still deals with time and aging and all that stuff I hate. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Kempen is obviously, I think it's pretty well established a step down from Bill Hamid, but that's because Bill Hamid is a great, great goalkeeper. I think Kempen with this game actually broke his, um, career best for starts and as a professional. So he's started more games this year than any year of his career, um, because of injuries to Hamid and, and sites and, and all that. Um, so congratulations to him on that. Um, and for, you know, not allowing anything but a fluky own goal in this one. Uh, but Bill Hamid, I think we're expecting back after the international break. Um, yeah, the, the, the reporting from Steve Goff was that he was actually going to come back for this game um, and play from the start. He, he was moved up to questionable on the injury report, um, which if you read the preview, you know, um, was about like two to three weeks ahead of schedule. Um, mm-hmm. the, the stated schedule was going to be after this break, um, at best after this break. Um, it might have even been not even this the next game against the Red Bulls might have been too much, but I guess it was a better a better situation than they thought. But he tested positive uh, for COVID nineteen. Um, I think Goff's tweet mentioned that he, he was asymptomatic, but obviously and vaccinated. Positive. Yes, uh, it's it's important to be vaccinated. Um, yes, and so he Get had to watch from home. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it 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 seems like provided he comes through and it, you know there's not further symptoms that pop up later because who knows, you know, the time frame of when that positive test, positive test, not passive. I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the time frame on that, you know, we, we probably won't hear about it if I'm being honest, because most of the team is on break. Uh, Losada went up to New York. Um, I saw uh, Oka Nikolov, one of the assistants went up to Seattle city, uh, New Jersey, which I'm pretty familiar with um, and, and is chilling on the beach up there. So I think, everyone was told like, listen, we finally have this tiny moment here. So go um, take a break. So we might not hear too much about Hamid's status until like September 9th uh, when they do the press conference before that next game. Um, But hopefully, hopefully the injury recovery is the only concern and that by the ninth, they're like, yeah, yeah, he's got a negative test and he should be good to go. Yeah. I'm sure next week when they're in training, there'll be photos. uh, And I'd fully expect him to be out there from what I understand of, uh, especially vaccinated 
like breakthrough cases, they mm-hmm. usually resolve pretty quickly, much more quickly than the alternative because vaccines work. Even if they don't prevent illness a hundred percent, they make your recovery much faster and the illness much more mild. So get your vaccine. Uh, yes. And, and I'm certainly hoping that that's the case with Bill. Uh, Goff said he was asymptomatic, which that's a good sign. Um, but going back to the earlier point, uh, DC United had the mental strength to overcome the deficit and not just against any team, against a team that they've outplayed two times already this year and lost to two times this year. Um, this is the third time that DC United basically ran Philly off the field. Like there's no mm-hmm. question from the eye test and the expected goals who the better team on the day was. But in the other two games, Philly got a lead and were able to make it stand up at least ultimately. Um, and this time they couldn't. DC United came back. They Philly has used some pretty borderline dirty tactics. Uh, last time they played, they injured uh, Adrian Perez and Russell Knauss on red card worthy fouls that were not red carded. Um, this time DC United were ready. They stood up to the bully and I'm really, really happy and proud of this team that they, you know, that they did that. They managed to mm-hmm. overcome them both mentally and physically. And you love to see it. That's uh that's what we call progress. Um, and, and, you know, what's interesting is they did this through both, you know, in the pregame press conference uh, a couple of days before the game, um, this came up and Losada said, you know, yes, um, they play physical. We know that we've experienced it. We also play physical. Um, we need to match them without, you know, we don't want, we don't want the game to become a series of set pieces. That's not our style of play. We want it to be open. We want the transition. Um, but we do have to acknowledge that there's going to be some physical play in this game from how both teams play. Um, but one of the things DC did really well in this game and, and Losada brought this up was just the classic pass and move aspect of how they played. It was tough for Philly to put in a lot of these harder tackles, um, you know, like the, the like the one that put Canals out for uh, six games, for example. Um, it's hard to put these tackles in when the ball just keeps moving on to the next player over and over. The union weren't getting a chance to be that physical. Yep. Um, they were instead just sort of chasing. When DC had the ball, uh, the union were just kind of at sea a little bit. Um, and that's really the ideal. Um, DC made this game about what they can do with the ball rather than, um, you know, the duels one stat is heavily, it's 75 to 55 in Philly's favor. Um, so when the game was physical, when there were duels, the union were having the better of it. It's just DC made sure that the union were still chasing so much that the game wasn't about duels. It was about the fact that DC was so sharp technically and so sharp with their movement that, this stuff didn't really matter. Uh, someone, you, when you're on the ball, you always have, when, if DC can play like this, the person on the ball always has an option. Um, and that person receiving the ball already knows where the, they're going with the next one. This is how they kept freeing Julian Gressel up on the right. Uh, this is how they kept creating chances. It was just by being able to move quickly, having everyone not just making smart movements, but making sharp movements. Everything is, yes. um, done at speed there's no you know 50 percent runs being made at the back post or something it's everything is done vigorously um and it turns out if you're doing that the other team can't really bring that physical play to bear and so uh it's a real credit to dc that they made this game about who can play faster on the ball than they did about who can win this battle of two teams that do tend to commit a lot of fouls 
Um, and this kind of is the way forward against Philly because uh, Jim Curtin, after the game, straight up said that he couldn't remember the last time they had been handed a, a defeat like this, where it wasn't just a scoreboard defeat, but that they felt like, wow, we really just got our asses kicked. Um, uh, is I believe I, I believe I'm quoting pretty close to verbatim from him. Yeah, his, um, it, I think his something close to his exact quote was, "We haven't gotten our asses kicked like that in three years." Mm, yeah, uh, and it's it's been a long time since yeah since anyone's done that to the Union. Um, there's a reason they've been up near the top of the East, and this is also big. It's not just big to beat the Union for the first time in forever outside of that weird Open Cup game where Chris McCann scored a goal. Um, to give you an idea of how weird that game was. Um, he had a whole cup of coffee in DC. He did. He scored the one goal uh, to to tie that game in extra time. Yeah. Um, Atlanta United legend Chris McCann. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, not only was it the first time DC had beaten the Union in the league in uh, over four years, but it's also, uh, I believe, only the third win over a team that was ahead of DC in the playoff race this year. Um, and that is the next step for this team is can you consistently beat, not just outplay because they've outplayed a bunch of those teams. If you look yes. at those results, it's a lot of games where like, that's a frustrating loss. That's a frustrating loss. It's basically all of them, uh, except for the Nashville game. It's all of them are the frustrating losses that DC have had this year where you're like, oh, they really could have beaten NYC. Frustrating in a tantalizing way, not, not yeah. frustrating in a, this team doesn't belong way. Right. Like, like that's a different so kind of frustration. Yes. Um, but yeah, to, to come out and beat the union, it really is kind of a, a, an established level now for this team where I think in a way this game means more. I, I don't even just think in a way, I think this game means more than beating TFC seven to one because that was the broken version of Chris Armas's TFC. Yeah. They were clearly as a group, just not, they did not want to play soccer together anymore. And so DC, you know, did what you do. You crush a team like that, but the union are not that team. The union are in the champion or the, the CCL semifinal. Uh, they are the defending shield champions. These guys like playing together. They like playing for curtain. They're good. They've been effective this year, even with not necessarily the, the talent depth level isn't where it was because they have Brendan Aronson uh, going off to Europe, but they're still quite a good team. And DC made them look like a very bad team. Uh, and that's, that's the next step. If we start seeing that consistently, this is a team that's going to not just make the playoffs, not just win a game in the first round, which would be a first for going back to, I want to say 2016, 2015. Um, they won that game over the Rebs where Agudelo scored the bicycle kick. Um, uh, and it, have not won a playoff game since. Yeah, uh, but this is the kind long. of level that this is the level they have to hit if they want to stop that from happening and, and end that streak this year. Can I uh, 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 switch ahead, uh, jump ahead to the second goal? Yeah, jump wherever you like. Uh, just, we, we talk about force multipliers sometime on this podcast. Uh, Paul Ariola is a well-known force multiplier. He makes everyone around him better when he is on the field. And I think that Jordy Reyna is uh, definitely a candidate for that uh, that attribution as well. He buzzes around everywhere. He's uh, getting in people's way. He's making good passes. He's getting into attacking positions. And the second DC United goal... It's just an acrobatic goal from Jordy Reyna. He like you have to you have to be doing something 
audacious and also talented to score that goal. And he just, he just put it right in the back of the net. And that, I mean, that's why you sign a, a Jordy Reyna. That's why he's starting. He can, uh, he may not do those things all the time, but he is a false force multiplier and he can, score some amazing goals, uh, especially when you pair them up with an Ola Kamara. They do different things, but their different things complement each other well. Well, in having Edison Flores on the other side, the two of them yeah. have played together for the national team in Peru. They they obviously like each other too. Um, in fact, that's one of the things about Reyna, who I think is in the form of his MLS career. I don't know if he's ever had a streak like these last several games where he's scoring and playing uh, at such a high level. Um, but one thing I noticed after his his worldie of a free kick and then after this goal in this game is his teammates celebrate his goals as intensely as I've ever seen teammates celebrate. Like everyone looks thrilled and delighted and just like beside themselves with joy whenever he scores. He's obviously really well loved in the locker room and that's – I think a little bit of a hallmark of this team is the the yeah. kind of togetherness they have. And Reyna is emblematic of that. Yeah. And you get the sense that the the guys are rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, you know, I think I've asked a couple of times now because his form has ticked up and it's like, you know, what have you guys seen in training um, out, out of him, out of his uh, progress? Because I know last year didn't go according to plan uh, once he came here on trade. And they said, you know, we know in training how good he is. Um, we, we see it every day. Um, so we're all happy to see, and it's kind of the boilerplate response, but like you're saying, Adam, like there's the boilerplate response in the press conference, but there's also the more obvious stuff, um, because DC scored enough goals where we have a sense of when they're celebrating a little extra hard. Um, and they do seem pretty fired up, uh, for Rainer right now, which is great. Um, and it's also, I, I think it's an important, um, an important thing that, that DC is getting, not not just a player, not just specifically him, but um, when we talk about the player balance, the the balance of roles in that front three, um, you know, Ariola, uh, his understudy this year in terms of profile of player has seemed to be Adrian Perez, who yep. will probably be out until uh, if the original timeline on that injury was, it would be like the last game of the season might be when he would come back. Um, in terms of that high energy uh, high, you know, good on the press, but not necessarily uh, quite as refined technically as like Flores and, and Reyna actually fits in as like the Perez in that situation um, in on paper. Um, and so I noticed, you know, when I, when the lineup came out, I was like, okay, DC is going to play both of them at once. That's kind of them saying we're going for it. Um, we're not going to opt yep. for um, the, because at this point, the pressing third forward appears to be Drew Scundridge. Um, coming up from a central midfield role, or if it's not him, then it's Yamil Assad, who also is known as a as maybe more of a pressing player, uh, especially at this point where he's not really playing very much. Uh, the Assad situation, I don't know what's going on other than that he's not getting into the team right now. Um, but my, my thought was like, normally the balance that Lasada seems to want is you've got Kamara as your scorer, you've got your technician, and now Flores is healthy, healthy so that's going to be him. That third player has been that pressing player, that player who's predominant thing is, is through winning the ball back in high effort and to choose Reyna and Flores at the same time is a like I think we can get enough out of our our flair players on the press that we don't have to worry about losing out 
Um, and we can put this extra technical ability, this extra invention in the game without giving anything away in terms of just winning the ball back and pressing hard and running hard and all that stuff. Um, and that's kind of, that's kind of a big deal for DC, um, especially yeah. since, you know, Ariel is going to be busy when he comes back from this injury. We have to assume that the next international window, he's going to get called up, um, which means even, even with these windows of uh, the next international window, there is no break in the schedule. Um, but also that means that DC is going to have to rotate him. Um, he will not be just, they can't just, when he comes back, put him in every game. Um, and having having this sort of a um, proof of concept that you can play Flores and Reyna together from the start, not just when you're trailing, not just on the road uh, or at home when you're trying to break a tie. Um, but for at zero, zero in the first minute, you can put them together with Kamara and get this kind of result. I think is really important because ultimately you do want that, that variety you can throw at teams. So they don't just say, okay, DC is going to have a nine and a creator and a presser in their front three. Every time you can throw this at them and say like, actually we're going to put our two most creative forwards out there at the same time with Kamara. Good luck. Um, <laughs> this is really, um, I think it's an, it's an, it's important that we saw that it can work from the get go and not just as an in-game tactical switch. It's something that they can plan out all week and say, this is what we're going to do. Um, I, I think, that's big for Reyna. It's also just, it's big for the whole team. I think the team needed that ability to have that variety in, in their bag. Right. I, I do wonder whether Reyna or Ariola will be first choice when Ariola is healthy again. Um, but that's a good problem to have. I'm not going to mm-hmm. complain about two, that. And even three, if it's a situational five, two, thing. Three, five, <laughs> two, three, five, two, three, five, two, three, out. Five. I mean, if you look at the average positions from this Philly game, um, the the map is a two three five and it made me so happy to see it uh visually just you had right. because Andy Nahar gets so far yes. forward he was basically all, part of the midfield for his average all of our memes game. all of filibusters memes are coming true yeah memes uh, and dreams come true I did enjoy the fact that Nahar was up I mean we're used to him being up in the attack pretty often especially for the role he has but in this game it was like he really was just like, no, I'm just up here now. Don't worry about it. Um, but right. I've noticed, I've noticed the ball is up here, so I'm going to camp out up here as well. And it was like, <laughs> that's cool. Uh, we'll make sure to get you the ball. Um, the right, the whole right side, like I mentioned Gressel before, but like that entire um, side of the field uh, with Flores, with Gressel, with Nahar, Kamara would come over and add the extra man sometimes as well. Um, that was something to behold because Kai Wagner's pretty good. Um, you don't see him completely not just outplayed, but like unable to contribute to the attack, unable to really get hit, get to grips with the game, um, just really at a loss and not getting the support from Leon Flock, who's also been good. Um, just a really, um, really impressive performance in terms of just, just being able to combine, having that, that chemistry um, that we've seen at times. We just haven't seen it for such a large portion of the game. It was a, it was it was pretty special. It was it was uh you know if we can see this a few more times this year, I think we're we're on something here. Yeah, Kai Wagner was so broken that by second half stoppage time, he just wasn't even bothering to step, and he kept Ramon Abila onside on a play that otherwise would have been extremely offside. He actually kind yes. of stopped playing for a second, which then lulled. And then when the flag didn't go up, he it basically lulled the defense into thinking, oh, the play's over. And then he just spun around and, as as Dave Johnson put it. Uh, a spin, a turn, a, wa- a waltz, and a goal. <laughs> um, 
it was a it was a great call from Dave. I, I don't I didn't do it justice. Go watch the highlight if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a good goal from Abila too, who now has a couple of goals in uh, a very short amount of time. His I think uh, per ninety DC United technically now has the top two goal scorers in MLS <laughs> in Ola Kamara and Ramon Abila. So vamos. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and Losado was was quick to bring that up after the game. The fact that. Um, Abila, you know, he he didn't say because it's always very positive from Losada, and he said, you know, uh, Abila came here, he's new, and he's already managed to score twice, very limited minutes, um, and I'm sure that they're psyched about it. Uh, we definitely, as a site, decided to troll uh, the unfortunate uh, Minnesota United uh, admin um, because, meanwhile, <laughs> they're a team that signed a guy that has barely been able to score score go- any goals in four years in MLS. Um, after getting rid of Abila for literally nothing, um, they were like, "Please take this man away from yeah. us." They, they technically um, got something on an. They got something on a technically unrelated trade. Yes, yes. The the classic for players, the, right? The but also, they're still paying. Us. Yes, but they're also still paying the vast majority of his salary. Yes, they are. Right. Um, so it was yeah. it's the most MLS of deals. But yeah, like for for Abila to come in and and find some goal scoring form means that. When he came here, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't at his maximum confidence because he came here on a huge move, and it not only did it not work out in Minnesota, it didn't work out immediately. Um, he had one start in 10 games, and that was it. Um, they were done with him. They weren't even putting him in uniform. Um, so for him to find the belief, find the comfort with the system uh, so quickly, I don't know if he can play at this point You know, from from a fitness perspective. I don't know if he's got more than – 30 to 45 minutes in him at the required level for Losada. But if he can come in and be this dangerous uh, when he gets shooting opportunities, we know he's going to get chances to shoot because he's a forward on DC United. Um, so if he can be this dangerous with these shooting opportunities and um, get himself into these positions where, yes, there, there are two ones, a sneaky finish. The one against the Rebs was a, a really powerful finish but he was, he did get himself into a promising spot to shoot from. Um, if he's able to carve out those openings, the players are going to find him with the ball and the chances are going to keep coming. So um, I almost feel like for him anyway, maybe it would be not so, maybe it's not so good to have a break at the moment. It would be good to have another game uh, just for him to get another shot to keep it going. But um, yeah, it's an, it's another really positive thing for someone to come in and immediately find themselves in a system where like Minnesota was like, yeah, we, we, we pressed too hard. He wasn't pressing hard enough. And it's like, well, if he can press Jason, in DC guys, <laughs> Jason, are you, are you shocked that Adrian Heath couldn't coach a player up? I'm not exactly shocked. Uh, I have to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do want to shout out Julian Gressel who was phenomenal in this game. I think I, I read today that under second spectrum, which is uh, a player location, and movement service that you pair with Opta data or MLS uh, pairs with Opta data to, to get some of their analytics out. Uh, Julian Gressel now leads the league in expected assists. He has surpassed mm-hmm. Carlos Hill, who has been out for a few weeks um, for new England, but like DC United's low key got a couple of MVP uh, candidates here between Gressel and Kamara um, and it's it's good to have if the team starts winning games at the clip that the underlying numbers say they should, um, then that's something. And that's and, I actually want to. Oh, go ahead, Ben. 
Oh, I was just going to say, and like they would never give it to a uh, mid tier, like a team that's not in the like top two or three of the league, but he's all, I feel like Erno Losada also has a, like a shout at the very least at getting coach of the year as well. Like taking, taking the team that, that had their performance last year and turning it into this team is a yep. coach of the year level uh, performance. And we'll see what happens down the, the rest of the season. Yeah, I think Matt Doyle said that um, the expected goal differential from DC United is the the biggest in, like the biggest turnaround positively uh, in as far as they have data, which goes back a decade. So this is the biggest turnaround uh, year year over year in at least the last 10 years. And there wasn't a big roster overhaul. We got Andy Nahar, who, I mean, you could characterize his status before the season as on the scrap heap. He was thinking about retiring. They got Brennan Hines Ike, who none of us had heard of before he got here, and he's been injured anyway. Um, you know, Roberta's been injured. They got Abila midseason, but that, that's kind of it. Not a lot of other signings in there. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of it's been the coaching uh, and getting players to reach or exceed their previous ceiling. So I'm I'm with you there, man. Um, actually, that's a good entry point to to our thoughts on the the season so far. We're now at the two thirds point of 2021 before we get out of here let's how are you guys feeling about this season and where it could go pretty good um (laughs) the the fact that you know the money hasn't been there to do that much with the roster outside of you know nigel roberta's the one um the one addition that took some money or some assets really um yeah this is this has been very impressive i think we were all expecting uh, a year where we we're hoping that we could see positive steps in a rebuilding process. Um, I think Losada even got here expecting it to be a rebuild, where he was going to be refining his system, uh, seeing who can play in his system that's already here, trying to evaluate where he needs to make the additions. Um, and, and, you know, this was a like, okay, hopefully at the end of the year, come like early October, we're talking about a team that has, or late September, or I guess, um, who maybe ha- still has a shot at this thing at, in and is in the playoff race. That would be pretty good um, because we saw how talent wise last year, it looked like the team was short there as much as it was anything else. What we're seeing now is that, you know, there was more talent here, um, but we've also got multiple positive stories. You got Ola Kamara finding uh, his confidence back, his, his uh, top level again, Andy Nahar, um, uh, it, I, I mean, I hate the comeback of the year award, uh, not for what it yes. it intends to stand for, but, but for what it has actually stood for. Um, it's like Ron all, Swanson says. Yeah. Awards would be better if they went to the right people. And this might be one of the rare times where it does. Um, I don't we'll know. See. I think Chicharito's a lock for comeback player of the year. I don't, I don't register dumb, Chicharito but... um, or most of the Western <laughs> Conference. Uh, we've got too many games here. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, just across the board, uh, you know, this is a team that has had, we've barely even seen them at full strength. Um, and they are at this, they're doing what they're doing. Um, the underlying data tells us that this is not just a feel good story that it's going to, the wheels are going to come off pretty soon. If anything, it tells us that there's actually more room to grow. Um, yep. so yeah, it's, it's hard to. Uh, I mean, of course, there are worries. The fact that every time it seems like the injury list starts to shorten, it expands back out again. 
Um, it, it can't you can't not be a little concerned about that. Um, yeah. but overall, it's like you know, a, a, after several years of being a team that either needed Wayne Rooney to sort of win the game on his own, uh, last year we didn't have that or much of anything else. Uh, it was very miserable uh, to watch this team last year. Um, to be to have the variety of solutions because even 2018, which was a lot of fun, the solutions were still basically Lucharu. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of it. It was like these two guys are going to do something like four times in this game, and that's how we're going to win. Is those two are going to do the thing? Um, but yeah, to have the variety of ways that DC has been able to win, um, and to know that if anything, the record doesn't reflect uh, how good they are, it, it can be better. Um, yeah, I I feel like this is way ahead of almost anyone's expectations. Yeah, coming into the year, I thought it would be. You know, I thought the team would be better than most people thought they would be. I thought they would be competing for a playoff spot. Uh, and right now, that's if you just look at the standings, that's where they are. They are in the seventh and final playoff spot right now, three points ahead of Columbus, but a point behind Montreal. But they're also only five points or out of second place in the East. Um, and Orlando hasn't looked that good lately. Like, I think this team has not just like a chance, but a legitimate shot at hosting a playoff game this year. And I, I kind of think that should be the goal and the expectation at this point with the, the run in the DC United has of the, their final games. Most of them are at home. They have, I think they've played three more road games than home games at mm-hmm. this point, which means for the final 12 games or whatever, we have, uh, three more home games than, than road games. That's a significant advantage during the run-in. I'm not going to jump to expectation yet because I feel like we, we fans of all teams like to, to jump to expectations fast and it's still Ernan Losada's first year. It's still uh, a team that he has not crafted as much as he would like. It is not a team that Lucy Rushton has crafted as much as she would like. And so I am excited by what has happened. I am happy about what has happened. And I uh, uh, think they should be able to host a, a playoff game. But I'm personally well, at least not going quite as far as to expectation yet. Well, uh, I'm just not because making a it's... demand. I'm not saying the season will have been a failure. I mean, obviously the season is not a failure because this team has played really good soccer. They've laid a good foundation and I think next year could be even better. Like next year, the expectations aren't host Adam, a playoff game. You also, next year, the expectations are going to be a lot higher. You also don't know that the season's not a failure yet. I mean, uh, 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 Dave Casper could have secretly sold Audi Field on the black market and it gets repossessed and then we don't have a stadium anymore. Well, that's something else. That's, that's, I don't know. Maybe that's a success. No, I, I think it's, I, I agree. But, I think it's, I think it's very like it, it's almost impossible for it to be a failure at this point. The team has done has outpaced all of our expectations so far. Right. I think exactly. I mean, I, I, it was not a reasonable expectation coming into the season to say yes, I want to host a playoff game. It just it just wasn't yeah. after last year. Now at this point, twenty two games into the season, that's a reasonable, not even stretch goal. That's a reasonable goal for this team and. I, I would really like to see it happen, uh, especially with the teams ahead of them. I think the only two teams 
that are absolutely like undeniably playing better right now are New England and NYC. Everyone else is completely attainable in the East and beatable. Even even Nashville, who DC United laid an egg against very recently. I think if United's at full strength, especially, that's a team DC United can beat both on the field and in the standings. I blame your cousin. I feel like he had some black magic. Uh, he had some necromancy that uh, that uh, gave Nashville I, the leg up. There are certain aspects of Clay's personality I'm sworn to secrecy on, so I'm not going to comment further on on that. <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to call up the uh, deep crime unit on this one to figure <laughs> out more. <laughs> I, I think that's it. We're done here. Thank you all for listening. Get excited. Um, this run in. I think is going to be really, really fun for DC United with all the home games, with the quality this team uh, has reached. Um, it, it, it's going to be fun um, the rest of the way. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to throw some money our way, you can do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. Uh, we like to release episodes early for our Patreon patrons, especially when we do two episodes a week, which is most weeks. Um, and when we're able to, we will release episodes early for, for our paying supporters. Uh, find us on Twitter at Black and Red U, at Filibuster DCU. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, ratings and reviews, I'm told, are very helpful, especially when they're, you know, nice reviews and five-star ratings and all that. If, if you have something mean to say, you know, send it to the email, not to uh, the podcatcher review service or whatever. Uh, mostly tell a friend about the show. So next time you're talking about DC United, mention this podcast, and we will be forever thankful for that. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Don't open a jar of curry and throw it all over your good friend. Curry! Curry! <laughs>